hard work, Midwest work ethic, horses, army, military, goodness gracious, buckle up. Patrick Benson is coming at you hard. War Horses for Veterans on another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, you've got with you today the Knucklehead, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited uh, as usual. Uh, every time I kick off an episode, I say I'm excited, but the, the truth is, is this is an opportunity where I get a chance to talk to um, so another business owner and somebody who just told me a little bit earlier that they have six inches of snow. And anybody who's anywhere near Texas, you start talking about a trace of snow and like the city shuts, like shuts down. This is, just a, this is just a Wednesday for this guy. He's just like, oh yeah, it's six inches of snow, no big deal. I'm going to go take care of my, my family, my farm, my, my kids, my community. That's just kind of how he does things. So I'm excited to have you uh, on the show. Uh, I've got Patrick Benson from War Horses for Veterans uh, on the horn. So welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Hey, man, I appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's an honor uh, to have you on. And uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I mean, we'll get into uh, the cause, the mission and, and what it is that, uh, that Patrick's doing. But let's, um, let's start with why we started this show. We started the show because we wanted to peel back the curtain. We wanted to pull it back a little bit and let you know about entrepreneurship, um, sales, business development, really business in general. And the effect that it has on your psyche, quite frankly, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It, it hurt. It's, it's hard. Uh, you've got relationships that uh, can be compromised. You've got people whose, whose lives are, are ruined because of mistakes that they've made. They thought short term instead of long term. I mean, this is not, this is not for the faint of heart. And, and that's why I love having men like, uh, like Patrick uh, on the show because, you know, he served in the infantry. He was an army guy. Uh, and I'd love for you to get back into that background, but He's also finding a way to give back to that community. And that's what's incredible about his cause. And he's using it with some, uh, quite frankly, some of the most powerful, gentle, incredible beasts that, that roam this earth. And that's when those are horses. But he's able to do that and help people overcome uh, their struggles. So I don't want to speak for you, Patrick, but tell people a little bit about you and, and how you got started and what you're up to now, man. No, absolutely. I, uh, well, a little background from Kansas City, Missouri. <clears throat> I come from a good family up here in the Northland. And uh, joined the military in 1988. Uh, I was out in 04. I uh, was I joined the infantry. I was uh, I chose the the more intelligent path in life. So in the military, so I chose the infantry, and uh, it was it was awesome. It was an amazing experience. I was stationed in uh, Baltimore, Germany, first duty station, and then and actually my first training exercise was the Kosovo campaigns in '99, and it was uh, you know a real live training mission. <laughs> so it was a little different time period then. And then speeding things forward, obviously 9-11 happened, unfortunately, and, and you know, we knew we were going to war. And then 2003, um, prior to that, I was I was attached, went from infantry unit to the cavalry, so I was attached to the 3rd and CR um, in, in Fort Carson, Colorado. And I, I kind of griped about it at first, and then I realized, hey, it's not so bad having uh, an ungodly amount of firepower to have, you know, right behind you. So I was okay with that. <laughs> and so we got sent there, and then I was in 03, and we spent most of our time in Fallujah and Ramadi and Habania uh, most of that year. 
I was an NCO at the time. I was in charge of a, a squad or one of the tracks. We had two tracks, which one we were, we were 120 mortars. I was 11 Charlie. And at that time, you trained and everyone did everything. If you had general basics of uh, any type of CQB training or any type of infantry training, next thing you know, you're teaching us to tankers that are now dismounted that are learning how to breach and learn how to do this and full security and running all these different things. And so it was a, it was a smorgasbord. Like we always say, it's like the Wild West at that time. But uh, as soon as my time, my time was up in 04, um, I got out. But just like many of us, the transition was uh, very, very abrupt. You know, we're engagements. Next thing you know, uh, two weeks later, I'm transitioning to be a civilian. I'm plucked from my family, from my brothers, from all of them. And now it's sink or swim. And I, I had always had the medallion. You know, I, I don't plan on, I don't fail. I learn. You make a lot of mistakes, but uh, it's basically it's sink or swim, and I don't plan on sinking. And I, and the reason I chose the horse industry, which is one I I didn't know what the hell I was getting into, so that's one reason. And uh, if if knowing that, I don't know, I, maybe I would have still done it just out of uh, stubbornness and the fortitude of just challenging myself all the time. But I like challenges and like teaching, and I like something different. I wasn't thinking about being stuck in a cubicle. And uh, so after a deal in Fallujah. I wrote an article, I wrote a letter to my mom to send over to this gentleman named John Lyons, which his brother, uh, unfortunately was killed in, in Vietnam and he was in Force Recon. And so John Lyons is a very big supporter of the United States military and he was a uh, world renowned horseman and clinician and teacher. He's a very famous, uh, individual, but just in that community. So keep your head down. We'll see you when you get here. And, uh, 2004 I went down that pursuit and started a uh, PB equestrian and, uh, it was, a uh, it was a, you know, not knowing anything really about business. It's definitely learning on the job. A lot of books, a lot of, a lot, a lot of books, a lot, a lot of questions. So Patrick, I got, I got to stop you a second. Hold, hold on for a second here. That's, that's, that's a pretty incredible transition going from uh, getting out of the military in 2004 and walking right into entrepreneurship and into, into an industry you didn't have any experience in and you didn't really know a whole lot about. Um, what was the letter? What spurred you writing a letter to, to John Lyons? What, what was going through your head whenever you decided to do that? You know, I was always brought up around entrepreneurs in a way. My best friend's father owned companies. My father started, uh, he's a doctor, started a, he's a kidney specialist, started Nephrology Associates. Um, he learned, he wasn't a man of business or anything from that nature, but just you learn as you go. And it's, I guess, kind of instilled in me a little bit, but I, I always knew I'd be starting a business or leading a business or some sort of uh, something in that nature. But honestly, I wrote him a letter. You know, it's his stuff made sense to me. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I used to take the guys. We we liked going out, you know, and, you know, seeing someone working out on some of the ranches there in Colorado and doing different things like that. And I liked I love challenges. I just loved physical and mental challenges. And I, I swear I definitely picked one because I did both. <laughs> Yeah, well, for those for those that don't know, uh, again, we we we're you know we're transparent here about uh, about the uh, we want to uh, peel away the facade that is uh, that is entrepreneurship in a lot of cases. There is a, a a tremendous amount of work. Yeah, even like without without the added element of working with animals, um, just just the administration of of running a business an equestrian business that you're talking about where it's snowing, you know eight months out of the year, or excuse me, seven months out of the year where you're right up there in Kansas or maybe six months. I mean, down in Texas, we, again, it's, we don't even know how to spell snow up here, down here. So when it comes to, when it comes to the added element of, uh, of horses, I mean, 
tell, give people an idea of, of, of what that means. I mean, how much work goes into what it is that you're talking about? Oh, it's a ridiculous amount of work. Um, don't get into it to make, we, I, I was fortunate, um, worked very hard. Just like anything, uh, I ended up doing fairly, did well over time, but I saved, you know, invested my money from Iraq. Um, I had money to start um, the school and then I, I paid for my horse trailer, my horses and all that stuff to get the ball rolling. But uh, pretty much started out after everything's done, I was broke. And then uh, went on the road teaching and just finding, basically, when you start a business, you work for free in the beginning because you've got to prove yourself. You got to prove your product. You got to prove why you're the, why should they choose you? What is your service? What is your product? What, why are you think you are going to be the best? Because right now you're definitely not yet, but in mind, you better be thinking that because that's, what's going to help you get ahead and beat everyone else. Cause there's always someone else out there working hard, just as, or even harder. And so I would, I, you know, I, I remember in the beginning, you know, I didn't have insurance. I didn't have, uh, I might, luckily I met my wonderful wife, uh, Mindy early in my, in our, in 2004, but you know, I had to have insurance through her. I, I just, you grind it's 24 seven you work 16 plus hours a day you're finding every angle possible when you don't have money to pay for the bills and you're like you've got to get creative you can sit on your ass and not do anything or you can get up and i think the pressure from that two things are going to happen one you're going to get up and, and, and own it and take it and and devour it or you're going to let it own you and devour you and then you will fail that's just there's just no little sweet spot in between those are the two options that's what i believe so when you can't pay your bills and stuff, I promise you, you, you know, you got the two options. I chose the option of figuring some shit out and you're going to make it happen. So whatever you got to do to hustle, you got to get it out there. And I, I would always be able to bring in and you, you would figure those things out as you go along. Um, there was books. There's all kinds of stuff that tell you if you do this and this and this, you're going to walk down the golden path road. It's just going to be perfect. And some challenges here and there. Um, that's a false sense of reality. I think to have a basis of, um, you, you've got to have a lot of, a lot of drive because there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of mental game here. You, you know, it's a way different than the military, the military, at least, you know, if you follow a, B and C, you're going to get B. If you do this, well, you'll get this. And then there is stuff that challenges you incredibly hard uh, mentally and physically, but you know, you, you've got a team behind you. It's very structured, very organized by doing this and having your own business. You are everything. You have to develop everything. You have to provide everything. And you better find people smarter than you to help you get there. Because if you think you can do it alone, you're completely out of your mind. got to love that. Just truth straight from the horse's mouth. No pun intended. Hope you're enjoying today's episode. Quick break and a quick word from one of our sponsors. Hey, it's Chris Hoffman, CEO and founder of Vet Training Coaching and host of the Ambitious Vet Podcast. You're listening to the Knucklehead Podcast with Stephen Cullen. Let's go out and make those mistakes and get better one at a time. Let's get it. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. And sometimes uh, the hardest transition I know that for me was was wanting to do everything. Just as kind of a, a side note and example, uh, we've got an old school Nintendo and I've got a four year old and an eight year old. And I don't know if you remember this, but growing up, whenever you were playing Nintendo, there was there was like a delicate art of actually getting the thing to work. So it's like troubleshooting, you, you know, you blow in the game and you, you know, you put it in gently and Okay. Well, anytime it doesn't work, guess who has to fix it still at 36 years old? You know, it's like, and, and so it, it drives people insane that they, it's, 
you got to almost teach and train somebody else to go out and troubleshoot. So you're not constantly being IT, the marketing, the everything. And so if you can't let go of that, um, you're in control of everything. Otherwise it doesn't work out the way you need to. And I'm not, I'm not talking about being lax or pushing things off on folks. I'm talking about if you don't have the mentality that you can't, uh, that somebody else can't do something as good or close to you, if not better in some cases, Oh, then, absolutely. then you're out of business. You have to be able to offload tasks because the business doesn't run without what you're already good at. And I love how you said you yeah. work for free. My dad, uh, give you a good example. My father told me one time, one of his nurses was uh, complaining of how much the doctors were making. So my dad happily broke down his, his amount of hours he works, broke it down and showed her that she makes more money per hour than he does. <laughs> and so that conversation halted. He goes, you know, I don't get paid. I don't get paid extra money for working extra hours. They just have to get done. And eventually you, you work hard. You work really hard, especially in the beginning to get it to the point where you don't have to so much. And you establish these systems or you bring people in that are one super a lot smarter than you are at it. And you're able to delegate those deals over. And then hopefully they educate you, educate each other and they educate you on how to make you better and better understand that department or to understand what they're doing. So then you can have a better, more diverse and uh, more effective team. But the horse industry is really difficult because people, I could train all kinds of different people, but at the end of the day, when they're going to write that check or they're going to pay for those services in X, Y, and Z, they are wanting to pay for me and my skill set, my ability and those type of things, which that made it very, very difficult. So, you know, I got into, you know, some pretty high end level horses in the English side and the Western side. I made sure I was very diverse. What I loved about the horses, and this will feed into war horses and then it feeds into business. And I always, horses will humble you. Horses will teach you humility. They will teach you compassion, forgiveness, so many different things. And then, you know, and a horse, if you're not focused on the ones I, and after combat, I, I, I got a lot of, I, you know, you look for that adrenaline rush occasion. And I, you know, and I, I fell into some bad habits and different things like that and overcome those obstacles that a lot of us do um, encounter. But the biggest thing, what I always, <clears throat> I liked was I could get that adrenaline rush, that kind of like the high of the borderline of I'm going to get really jacked up here. This is pretty, this is pretty sketchy. Well, I was able to do that with a horse. But if I did not give a hundred percent of my focus, focus on that horse a hundred percent, like seriously on some of the more dangerous horses, the ones that I'm like, Hey, I can, I'm going to take that on. I want to fix that horse. Um, they could easily put me in the hospital or kill me. And that's just, that's just a fact. Well, that's so I, I love how you, uh, well, I appreciate the, uh, the explanation because quite frankly, you, you're dealing with uh, another animal that's alive that has a, a decision-making mechanism that is outside of your own and it's massive. It can really, it really hurts you. Um, but at the same time, to your point about um, being out of control, how does that help uh, people who are, I guess, with, with what you're doing for Horse for Veterans, how does that help people, um, I guess, deal with uh, things that are larger than them that they can't control? Or how does, how does the, the program work, so to speak? You know, a lot of, a lot of different variables. It comes from, you know, you see a lot of vets overcome and find a sense of peace that they haven't had for a long time. Um, learning to be vulnerable. You have to be okay. You have to be vulnerable to get on the back of a thousand pound animal and say, all right, I trust you. And that horse has to trust you. And so you have to be willing to be, you know, 
allowing yourself to emotionally and mentally be available and, and open to that. If you're not, it's not going to work. Uh, you, you will not be comfortable. You will probably freak out and have anxiety. You know, a lot of people, uh, you, you think you come in and you want to control everything. You can control an animal a thousand pounds with your fingertips. I can teach you how to do it. I can teach you in less than a day how to do it. But the thing is, is unless you're willing to relax, let them entrust that animal and let that animal trust you, that's not going to happen. And that's the same thing that happens with like if you were to apply that in life. Um, take, for instance, uh, being it's nothing against our wives or spouses or anything in general. One of the hardest things I think I've found in life is obviously, you know, being a partner and, and uh, ra- you know, raising a family and those type of things. Those are very difficult. You think you've got control, but you have no. no. you got to find ways to communicate that you maybe never have done before. I remember when I first started dating my wife, she looked at me. She goes, I am not one of your soldiers. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is a little different. <laughs> And so, you know, from that standpoint, a horse doesn't judge you either. You know, the horse doesn't care what you've been through or what you've done. They care about in the moment and what you're doing and where you're at at that, at that time. And the fact is, if you're super uh, aggressive by nature and stuff like that, I promise you that's not going to go over very well. And you're going to probably have, you're going to get very frustrated with the horse, yourself, the environment and everything, because one, you know, you're not relaxing yourself where you can figure out how to communicate with that type of horse. Uh, that's the beauty of what we do is the horse horses that I've, you know, had in, I didn't want just any horses. Like I thought of like, how can I get people like yourself, my buddies that are uh, Marines, uh, infantry, special forces, all that. How can I get them to come to something like this, to experience something like this? Completely get out of your comfort zone. I mean, I don't, I never, it's not a kumbaya, touchy-feely, we're going to skip through, you know, a field of flowers next to our horses. It's just not, but it's a family, it's camaraderie. It's opportunity. It's many different things. But the horses, what that allows you to do is I, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face what a horse can do for you until you come and experience it. And the fact that we pay for it all, it doesn't cost a dime. We pay for all of it. All you have to do is qualify is how did you serve in combat? And then you qualify for it. We pay for everything. And with that, you get an opportunity. I uh, thought deeply about, you know, many people who start businesses or anything in life, I guess you would say. You need to, you know, mentors are important. Mentors are very crucial. Um, no point in invent, reinventing the wheel. And you learn, and if you're able to learn and you're able to be humble and, cl- and close your mouth and listen, and that's something I had to learn. Um, it's, it's a, a one, a lot of wonderful things can happen. And I saw at one point in my career, I said I had these owners and these wonderful people. And then I met the Browns, um, Pat and Andy Brown, they're the co-founders of War Horses that believed in my vision to build what we're doing and, and the success that we're doing. They believed in me. And, and we got after it, but I'm going to tell you something. We started the program at the same time. I'm taking over Andy's big horse operation. We had 38 horses. They're all over the country. We're starting more horses at the same time. We don't have a proper training facility for all these horses. I'm building and like, I mean, it, if you were to look at what I did, it was actually crazy. And when you look back at it, um, I just wanted to, I, I felt, you know, like anything, a lot of us have something to prove. But at the same time, I, I was so determined and I had so much belief in my abilities and, and the Browns had belief in what I was able to do that my family sacrificed a lot of my time with them. Um, I lost a lot of, you know, it was those years in a way, but you gain so much more because it's, it's a lot bigger than me. It's a lot bigger than my family. But now my family gets the benefit. The wonderful things is we know so many different veterans now. We've been able to provide these different outlets, these opportunities, entrepreneurship, job opportunities job and career opportunities, um, personal and professional growth, 
all from a horse, literally all from a horse. And, and if it's crazy, but it works, it works really, really well. No, you, you just hit the nail right on the head. It's something, well, there's, there's, there's power in the message of, um, whatever you whatever's out there, whatever, I guess, whatever you, uh, whatever object service or product that you intend for, that you intend for one thing, it ends up getting flipped over and, and used to create opportunities for so many other people. But in the, in the, in the short term, there, at any point in time, you, you very easily could have said, you know what, I think I'm going to go out there and, uh, and go put my time, energy and focus into something that can net you out a return to solve that immediate problem. Right. The, how you were talking about earlier about the bills and oh, uh, figuring it out. Uh, you could have gone and done that. Right. And there's people that do, and they're able to walk and chew gum at the same time. But the, 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 the impact of your story and the fact that uh, horses were able to create that opportunity for your family now to be able to be afforded to, I mean, you just came back from the Super Bowl. You took your dad to experience that. Uh, well, it, it all comes back to your drive, belief, and determination uh, to fight through those obstacles. And I, and I think that that's the, that's the whole point of, of your story is, is telling people that it's going to, I mean, you're going to fail. You're going to get punched in the mouth. Your nose will bleed. You will skin your knees. Yes. There will be sacrifice. But at the, in the end, uh, if you can keep, uh, if you can keep at the forefront of your mind, what it is that you're, uh, that you're actually working for, and you can crystallize it in a way that actually garners support from other people, you have a chance. You do. I think you need to, you know, you've heard the phrase embrace the suck. Uh, there's times in combat where, you know, when some pretty close calls, uh, some opportunities, sometimes where you're just wondering, you know, don't wonder one, two, one or wonder too often why you're still alive. But I used to just laugh. I mean, I just go, yeah, well, that was close. And then you, and you, uh, chuckle and then focus on the next thing, move forward. And you, and you got to do the same thing in, uh, in life and entrepreneurship and owning a company and, and multiple things we have, uh, you know, at the horse business, which incredibly, I learned so many things and I learned a lot of things that I, what I don't want to do. And then the nonprofit world, I didn't know anything about nonprofits. I just knew what I knew deep down in my heart. This would work. I just knew it. And then I was, and I was hell bent. I'm going to, and I made all kinds of mistakes. I mean, you, you uh, learning on you go. I mean, I'll be in my, I'll be on my bike, uh, on my trainer in my basement reading about how to put on this or this part of the business or whatever at four in the morning, five or three o'clock or whatever the case may be. And then I go find people that are really good at those things. And I ask a lot of questions and I just try to pull as much information as possible. And then eventually you can get to that point where you have enough success to where, man, you could probably hire something. And we've been able to hire and contract on, on veterans. Um, you, you know, John Parker, Edry Chaudhry is a 20 year Navy combat photographer. Part of the team we've been able to bring in, you know, Gary, uh, Gary uh, Llewellyn, which is a assistant director. And he's, he's a big part of what we do as well because he's a Nate, he's a uh, scout pilot from Vietnam and we reunited him and his door gunner and they're some of the most that era is one of the most important groups of people that we have involved with us because they don't want to see our generation go down the same stuff they did and we looked up to them and the beauty of it is is we've got I got SEALs I've got we got Marine we got recon we got everyone from all the branches and all of us together and actually the army and the Marines do really well together we bust each other's balls like nothing's business but we do really good but once the Navy and Air Force come in we all we attack and, and we have this wonderful family that's, you know, pretty much normal what we had before, you know, in the service, but 
the thing is, is there's times when we're all together and you, you know, there's, there's some vets that have, you know, you, you go through some motion and all, eventually all those emotions build up and it's a pressure valve. And the moment you're okay to let those things out and then, Hey, okay, now what are we going to do now? What are we going to do forward? Um, learn from, learn from the mistakes, learn, try not to uh, repeat them. Uh, there's a phrase that's pretty crude that an uncle of mine said to me, he says, you know, you screw up, you know, he says you F up once, uh, shame on you. You do it twice. You're an idiot. And so, you know, that I like that. It, I laughed and then I got real quiet and I said, Oh my God, you're right. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the absolute truth. Well, Patrick, let, how can, how can people find you? That's, I mean, we, we've talked about war horses for veterans. Yeah. You can go to warhorsesforveterans.org. And we, like I said, we, if you're a veteran, reach out to us. You can email us there as well. We're on Facebook. We're on all the social media plugs. We have a great outlet there and connections as well. And if you're interested in coming, hit an application or if you have questions, just email me. You can email me directly at patrick at warhorsesforveterans.com. We do thrive off of just donations. I don't take government funds. We So there's no red tape. We're able to do what we got to do. We launched, you know, we're able to do different companies. I'm just getting ready to launch. Uh, Warhorses Hemp is uh, it's CBD line. Of, we've researched, spent a lot of money in, in finding the best products we can to provide a, a very affordable for first responders and vets. We've been first responders as well. And so 50% out of the proceeds of that will go to our program in mental health and which is really important. And it, it works. I, I was not, a, I, I did it once and I was like, holy crap, this stuff really does help. My, my knees, my back don't hurt hardly as bad. Anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty amazing, the applications that are out there for things like that. Oh yeah. Well, we appreciate you, Patrick, taking some time to walk us through uh, some of your, some of your story. We also appreciate you taking some time to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how that affects other people and uh, appreciate what you're doing uh, up there and not just Kansas city, uh, but, quite frankly, everywhere else. I mean, those, those veterans who have been affected by the program, uh, if you go and you, you engage with these social channels that he just talked about, uh, you can, you can see some pretty cool stories. And, uh, for those who want to know more information, you can go to warhorsesforveterans.org or you can email, uh, Patrick, you just said how to get in touch with him, Patrick at warhorsesforveterans.com. Is that right, Pat? Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. It's a great opportunity and enjoyed just enjoy it and enjoy meeting uh, other fellow brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you being on the show, man. Um, for anybody else, you like listening to Knucklehead Podcast, we've got a new episode. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. we got uh, new episodes coming uh, at you every Tuesday. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all those social channels. So as soon as you go find out a little bit more about Wars for Veterans, go over to Knucklehead Podcast and, and curate some of our, our, uh, our formal material. So, uh, Patrick, anything else that you want to leave these guys with? Yeah, just keep driving. Grind it out. Own it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon.